million dollar question actually this is this is the tough part you know we have some success here even you know Peho first unicorn but you know it's not, it shouldn't be about the first unicorn it shouldn't be about the you know the efforts of Besco it shouldn't be about the efforts of Abel it should be how do we multiply and leverage these organizations how do we make uh, you know a unicorn every second or third month how do we create more bescos how do we scale the work of able this is you know um, again the viral effect how do you create a virus that really affects other people to do the things that you know are right because deep down everyone knows what's right and what's not right so how do we you know leverage everything that we've achieved so far and again to make it at scale, I think that, you know, uh, working with the government is essential. And this is why I believe in BESCO's mission uh, so deeply, because it is the government that can really scale the process. I mean, the the civic sector, the businesses, they, they show the right way. If you want to make it, you know, a massive presence, then you need people at scale to act at scale. And that's why, you know, BESCO is pushing for the agenda of the whole ecosystem. Hello and welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Our next guest is on a mission to transform Bulgaria's economic model towards high-value-added businesses. Ned Dervenkov is one of the co-founders of the Bulgarian startup association, BESCO. With over 500 members, the NGO is working towards a series of reforms to improve the framework for starting a business in Bulgaria and position the country as an innovation powerhouse in the region. He had participated in the creation of several laws impacting the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Bulgaria. Prior to that, Net was a serial entrepreneur with businesses in real estate, sustainable fashion and finance. Net is also a part of ABLE, the Association of Bulgarian Leaders and Entrepreneurs, where he also serves as a mentor. Net Dervenkov, welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have this conversation with you a few years after we had the conversation on my podcast where you were actually the serial entrepreneur uh, back in the days. And now I am part of uh, ABLE and you are on another level working towards better legislation for starting companies and supporting the local startup ecosystem. So it's been a very interesting trip. Uh, indeed. Uh, if, you know, back in the day someone told me that I would be sitting... Um, speaking about the things that I'm about to speak, I would not believe uh, my future self. It's been a hell of a roller coaster, but I think, you know, it's all for good. Let's start with your um, first steps into entrepreneurship. What sparked your entrepreneurial drive? Uh, that's, you know, a very interesting question. And to be honest, I I have one of these trivial types of answers when, when I've been an entrepreneur uh, as far as I can remember, literally, you know, buying croquis snacks um, from uh, a store that used to sell it cheaper, but if used to think is then retailing it to the children in, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, clearing uh, the uh, screens of cars um, on, on random traffic jams in Plovdiv where I was born to actually running a semi-legal, semi-legal uh, alcohol selling business in the UK where I was living on campus and there was no 
you know, uh, uh, alcohol available 24-7 liquor store. So I sort of, you know, bought a lot of booze uh, from uh, larger stores and, you know, I, people had my number. So when they needed alcohol during the small hours, I was always there, you know, to provide it with, um, which I wouldn't advise people to do because I got caught by campus security and, you know, I got into trouble. But anyhow, I mean, it's it's been a part of me. Entrepreneurship has been a part of me ever since I remember um I tried working for a corporation. Actually, it's a very funny story because I was, you know, um, trying very, very hard to get into a corporation. And uh, after graduation, I was putting some serious efforts and eventually I got accepted in uh, working for Mercedes, where, you know, um, uh, parallel to me applying for Mercedes, I was applying to back then the first, uh, one of the two first venture capital funds in Bulgaria, which was 11. So uh, my idea was accepted in 11 and I got accepted in, in Mercedes. After so much hard work, I said, no, I don't need this. This co corporate life is not for me. So, you know, I, I started going more professional into the venture capital world and into the, you know, um, serial entrepreneurship. So you have this huge uh, amount of experience um, basically from starting from doing um, like kids trade to working with VC funds. Is there a quality that you think is a must for an entrepreneur? Um, I'm not sure if, if it's a quality that is a must for an entrepreneur or for any successful um, human being. I think, you know, persistence is, is, a, is crucial. I mean, you cannot see the results of something if you don't follow them very um very focusedly so i think you know persistence is one and then you know passion is maybe the second thing because you, you can't really be persistent in something you don't really like it's you know it's it's a kind of torture if you do so if you don't like the things that you do and if you don't have uh, the persistence and i would suggest the value set as well um and it should be your value set. It's not the value set of, uh, you know, Bill Gates or someone you know famous. It should be all the things that are really in, in focus and aligned with you. But you should know that and you should be aware of that, that value set and just follow through. I remember a conversation that I had last week with one of the companies that Eleven in, invested in uh, a few years ago, Taxi Me, with Hristo Cherny, the co-founder of Great the company. Great guy. <laughs> and he has this amazing quote, uh, the one that succeeds is the one that never gives up. Uh, so uh, you're now saying persistence. Uh, thank you very much for pointing it out. Um, we'll go back to values a bit later on in our conversation because I know that the startup Bushido is something very important to Besco and it's very important to you, of course, uh, and we'll uh, get back to it. Um, you believe that the companies that are meant to survive the race to success are the ones created by people motivated to make sustainable change in their surroundings. So the people that really are willing to make a change in the environment that they live in. Um, do you think entrepreneurs have a bigger role to play in society besides creating value for the economy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, entrepreneurs are, um, by definition, problem solvers and, you know, so solving a problem and you know earning money out of it is just the co consequence of solving a problem there are you know um, um things that really matter which are far far beyond the economical value and we have uh, i think in bulgaria a very good sample of those uh, entrepreneurs they call them social entrepreneurs that really uh make a change 
not-for-profit. They could be either individuals or it could be organizations. You mentioned ABO is one of the organizations that really is into entrepreneurial education and scaling the mindset and scaling the values and scaling the capabilities. So, um, you know, it's it's about making the world a better place as trivial as it sounds. It really, entrepreneurship is all about that. Mm. Uh, you now mentioned table and I joined uh, uh, the organization last year uh, going through the program and uh, just to make an example uh, out of it it's a organization that was started by people that uh, went on this uh, summer entrepreneurship program funded by uh, America for Bulgaria Foundation uh, a couple of weeks in the States in Babson College you were part of this program mm. and uh, the people that were in the first groups actually came back and said this thing should exist in Bulgaria. So would you mind saying a few words about that too? Yeah, absolutely. This is a, you know, ABO is an alumni organization. Uh, as you said, you, you, it was people, uh, it were people traveling to the US on a five-week mission to explore entrepreneurship. Then the program got cut off, but, you know, those people that were there understood the necessity that this education, this entrepreneurial education should continue so we created an entrepreneurial program here in Bulgaria. I think it's probably one of the best entrepreneurial programs here in Bulgaria. And everyone that goes through this entrepreneurial program, which is, by the way, very hard to get in, it is quite hard to get out as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's a very well, very tightly selected people. I have the honor to be part of the jury as well of, of this year's uh, cohort. And, you know, those people, you know, they're so well selected that it is a must that they combine uh, their their capabilities after the program and it's a must that they work together on on a larger mission and on a larger state of being and this is what ABO is all about uh, you know scaling entrepreneurship education through the program or through mentorship you know getting those young children 10th and 11th grade matched with professionals so that you know um, the kids can get their uh, awareness very early on on on, on their self-development this is so crucial because we don't have that in our education system. So ABLE and organizations like ABLE actually tend to fit the gaps that the education system mm -hmm. leaves, and they're huge, unfortunately. Uh, I, I cannot uh, <coughs> leave out of this conversation the base program, which is basically helping people that already have some small businesses and they're above 30 because everyone that I'm um, uh, sharing the story about Evo Activators saying, why is this program not available for people over 35? Yeah. And I say, guys, there is a base for you. So uh, Evo is somehow managing to go to the students, to the high school um, people, and then to young individuals that are entrepreneurial, but also to people that are above 30 and already have some experience in entrepreneurship absolutely base is amazing and i'm a lecturer there as well and i'm helping the guys out there as well because i really you know you see so much potential uh, so much rough unpolished talent and because our let's be honest we have you know the the concept of free market economy only for you know 30 plus years and it's if we're com if we compare it to you know western countries it's we're still in our very early stages of infancy of, of entrepreneurship so we need to find ways to multiply. We need to find ways to multiply our talent, our resources, and uh, you know our infrastructure. And going back to Besco, Besco is about the infrastructure. You know, this Besco is about creating rules and regulations and laws that can really scale up the potential that we have because we do have a great potential, mm. and we need to scale it up. Now, <clears throat> going back to Besco, would you mind sharing some? Um, 
stories, some words about the early days of Besco. How did this idea came to life? I mean, you've been like everyone that's been an entrepreneur in a way, you know that it's not uh, nine to five. It's like 24 seven. So where did you find time and how did you decide to stop doing this and focus on something that's Besco at the moment? It is a very, you know, the, the way I joined Besco is actually a very funny story. And um, I actually joined the Be Besco like four or five months after the creation of the organization. And um, I was traveling with one of the founders, uh, Dubromir. We were supposed to go to Hungary on a, a trip organized by uh, the Chinese delegation under the 16 plus one initiative. And um, we were driving there. We were driving to Budapest. Uh, it was like, what, 12, 13 hours drive. And I swear we talked about God through the whole journey. It was it was really this guy telling me that he kissed his wife on their wedding day and telling me that he's super religious, which I'm not, by the way. I'm you know on the other side of pragmatic logical thinking and believing in science, but he was very obviously religious. And I got like super provoked. And, uh, you know, I started dwelling in, but, um, you know, his his belief was so strong that it, it looked to me as this guy had some sort of superpowers. Like, he, he, he's so, uh, his belief was so strong that he was untouchable. And his vision about, you know, how we can change the environment, which by that time looked very um, grim, I would say. It looked very, um, not very entrepreneurial and not very, you know, um, progressive. So he had this vision of how we can change that. And I thought that, you know, he's crazy, but I somehow believe him and I somehow feel the need to be part of something much larger than my own income or the businesses that I'm doing. I just realized they're super, um, they were kind of superficial and they were kind of beneficial to me only. And I needed to be part of something larger. But I also understood that if there was no concept, if there was no business behind Besco, uh, it would just remain as an idea. So this was my mission, to actually go into the organization, create processes, create sustainability, and make the organization um, self-driven, more or less. Amazing. <clears throat> uh, here, here comes the values once again, but we will go back to them a bit later. Um, Dobri himself is an entrepreneur uh, before he uh, became that, um, like, spiritually connected, I must mm. say, uh, which is uh, also um, a very interesting perspective on someone that has been into this 24-7 entrepreneurial way, having a successful business that fails later on because the market is just not yeah. ready, the culture is not there to have this mm. business. And then together, you um, you join the, this organization of people that are very spiritual, mm. entrepreneurial on the same side, mm. And they want to create something driven by values. Absolutely, yeah. So um, <clears throat> what kind of people did you manage to attract to Besco in the beginning? And how did you manage to do it? It was, again, very a very interesting story because, um, you know, when we started, you know, in the beginning, it was first the politicians. So we had, you know, uh, literally we were standing in front of the parliament and we were trying to get in. And once we got in, we were actually grabbing people that we know from TV to actually tell them that there is this entrepreneurial ecosystem, that we have these and these demands. 
we've managed to collect um, this notorious uh, 99 pages PDF from our 30 members in the beginning. We had 99 pages of, you know, suggestions and propositions, and we were like showing the the PDF like it was the the Bible, you know, going to people. You know, this is important. You have to read this. And in the beginning, people were like people. I mean, politicians were like, who the hell are these guys? But you know, step by step, we started bringing ministers and presidents to co-working spaces, and we were actually telling them, look, this is this is a startup, and this is a freelancer, and they couldn't grasp the idea. They were like. So what is the name of this company? We brought them to Puzzle. And they, so which comp, which, which is the office of this company? What's the name of the company? We're like, that's not a single company. There are different companies. There. And then five minutes later, so what was the name of the company again? So again and again and again. But it was like really, as, as Dobri puts it, it was brainwashing. We were brainwashing the politicians all the time. And then we realized that really we can't do this on the side it has to be a full-time job if we if we want to take it somewhere we have to you know start paying ourselves something for these efforts so in the beginning it was like literally um no membership fee we wanted to, to make it like transparent so it was based on crowdfunding we did this creative campaign where people donated small amounts then it then it's you know then then it that became serious when you know mentors like Vasil Terziev and Svetozar Georgiev they 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 saw you know that that this could be big. By the way, the first time we went to to talk to Vasil, uh, we were we were coming out of out of the I, parliament. I know the story. Yeah, and we were like suited up and you know um, going to ca- Campus X where his office is, and he he was like. Um, he saw us and he was like, guys, you scared me. I thought it was tax collectors, you know, you look like like tax people. So lose lose the suits and let's talk. And he didn't believe in the beginning. He was like, who are you? Like, who would you represent the startup ecosystem? Uh, fuck off on me. <laughs> piss off. And uh, he didn't believe us in the beginning. But then, you know, we started getting traction and, you know, second talks and third talks. And he sort of got to know. Um, the values he, he 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 got to understand that you know the things that me and Dobri stood behind were the things that he was standing behind as well. So we started collecting membership fee, and it was literally we need to you know we're doing eight to ten uh, membership onboarding meetings per day, and an average meeting was around an hour, an hour and a half. And I remember, you know, the first days I could literally, I was talking like we were talking now and I could hear, I could see myself from here. It was the eighth meeting of the day. We were traveling all over Sofia in traffic and it was like 7 p.m. And I was doing this since nine and it was like day 35 of doing that. And it was very hard work and very, very, you know, um, uh, very entrepreneurial in a way, validating our existence, validating that someone is willing to actually pay for that. And then... um, you know, having the uh, MPs and the ministers believing that this is a narrative that it is beneficial for them as politicians, but is also beneficial for the for the country as well. So, just to make it brief, you <clears throat> are an organization that takes the needs of the startups uh, in Bulgaria and tries to create policies that are attractive to startups and helpful to startups to grow to get easier capital to get uh foreign talent etc etc so a few things yeah so um three are the major goals of besco so one is access to talent which means you know reform in our education system because it's inevitable um mid solution mid-term solution short-term solutions is the blue cards initiatives and the startup visa attracting talent 
uh, within Bulgaria, then access to, to capital like uh, angel incentive uh, mechanisms, uh, VC, uh, pension funds to be able to invest in VCs, the B market initiative, we work together with the Bulgarian Stock Exchange so we can make it happen. We're now working on the FDI law to improve the FDI possibilities in Bulgaria. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, sorry. Um, so these are all the, you know, the things that, um, that we're working with, the, the access to capital. And then ease of doing business is the third goal, like remote, regulate remote working, um, quicker liquidations of companies, a new type of legal entity so we can easily give out options to your employees. Investing and all those modern uh, instruments that our trade law does not allow for, um, and many many other small things that really, if if you look them piece by piece, they don't make much sense. But if you combine them, then first of all, it turns out that we're not working only for the interest of startups, but we're working for the interest of every progressive company in Bulgaria, and this is the reason why sooner than, than later we would rebrand ourselves and we would no longer be the Bulgarian Startup Association but the Association of Bulgarian Entrepreneurs because we really protect the interest of those progressive people that are really trying to make a difference their business is global they, you know, clients is the main source of income not the government which you know, we see quite often and they're able to scale quickly yeah. so this is Besco Great, uh, <clears throat> and going back to the question do you think what you're fighting for got the people on board or who the people that are fighting for are like you and Dobri and the others that started the company. So what got the people on board? But I think, yeah, again, the, um, the vision, um, everyone that got on board, um, and by getting on board, we have a new board. Now we're expanding, uh, nine people are joining, you know, at successful entrepreneurs like Denko from Sideground. Svetozar Gurgiev is our chairman, um, uh, Christomanov and all the other guys, uh, which we're very grateful to. <clears throat> they understood that, you know, first of all, it's a long-term vision to transform the economic model of Bulgaria. But, you know, second of all, it's the journey which is supported by the values, which are, you know, doing the right things, not stealing, paying your taxes, everything that is mentioned in the Bushido that you mentioned. Very simple things. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a moral compass should be simple. And should be very straightforward. No, you know, fancy, um, you know, things. Just, just very focused and very simple. And we want our companies to have, you know, good relations with their employees, with their competition, to pay their taxes, to have give back mentality, which is essential, and to have the pay forward mentality, which is also very essential. So, you don't need to be rich uh, to help others, right? You can you can you can pay forward. You can always you know try and uh, be a mentor of children. You know, be a mentor at, at a at a thing that you can know that you know that you're very strong at. You know, there's always ways that you can that you can help grow the mindset around you. And this is what brought those people uh, on board. I think. Great. <clears throat> Now you mentioned the startup Bushido. Uh, where did the um idea come uh, from who did it come to uh, is was it your idea to have this samurai code of conduct yeah. introduced <clears throat> and uh, you're also using this as a um, gatekeeper for companies that are on the verge of not following some of the rules and uh, this is a way to um, keep inside the association members that you believe that they are doing these things Yeah, well, 
most of the absurd branding you would hear around Besco is my 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 ideas <laughs> mainly. Absurd branding, you yeah, say. like so Bushiro. Like, what is a Bushiro? Why a Bushiro? <laughs> but again, I think you know that um, entrepreneurs, the change makers, the change makers for good, and you know, to summarize, they have very much things in common that you know um, do the right things and follow focus, execution, um, high ethical standards and codes. So yeah, that's why it's called a Bushido because it really is a, um, it's, it's a, it's an ethical compass that you shouldn't compromise with. And you're absolutely right. It is the, uh, most significant barrier that Basco, uh, has so that, you know, shady companies don't get in. And we've said no quite sometimes to companies that are you know they want to become part of besco but we know that their reputation is not clear like we're not the we're not prosecutors and we are not the uh, secret services but you know if we believe that um you know some image has been jeopardized in terms of ethical com- compromises then you're not part of besco it's, it's as simple as that um and of course, mistakes will be made. Will be made, but again, we have now as the organization mature, we have different mechanisms, a proper governance model with a lot of you know uh, cross checks whether the system is functioning properly. So we're really to trying this to keep these organizations to those people that really want to make a sustainable change, that are really market driven and that really have passion to change, you know, themselves, their environment and Bulgaria in general, because in the end of the day, this is the battle for Bulgaria. Yeah, I believe that Bulgaria is a very small country. Uh, it's uh, 67 million people. And I've personally been into situations where someone is doing something not knowing that I know the other people that they have worked with. And uh, then you know that these people are compromised. These businesses are compromised. And you don't want to work with them. You just say, no, this uh, is going to lead me into have uh, the same reputation as they do because this is what our mind thinks it's like associative thing you're like you associate companies to others that they work with or they say they work with so it's a great way for to keep the um to keep it clear at home one one thing that i would like to mention is that besco also provides the other mechanics the other way around mm. for successful entrepreneurs to become public servants in a way because being a board member at Besco, it really involves you into conversations with a lot of politicians, with a lot of ministers, and you know it's 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 the dirty work. But this is the work that is so much needed, and one of the reasons why Besco is successful is because, well, no one else is willing to do what we're doing, and this is you know this is a niche. So, transforming the mindset of successful entrepreneurs into becoming public servants, working for Besco, meaning working for the ecosystem is actually uh it's 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 an amazing benefit because now entrepreneurs don't think about their dream house in hawaii or in the bahamas they're thinking of i'm staying here how can i you know leverage my impact using organizations like besco to actually you know make the bahamas here in bulgaria mm. you know make this um, amazing uh image that we all have of some foreign distant lands here in Bulgaria. And this is a side effect that we weren't very, you know, aware of, but um, it's happening now and involving so much successful entrepreneurs in their very specific stage of their lives and development. Most of them are guys with exits or very successful self-run businesses in a way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see that it's not only that we're 
brainwashing politicians to know our agenda, but we're also involving the entrepreneurs that by definition, they used to be like, the government is here and my business is here. So we, as long as they don't interfere, that's great. It's over. This type of mindset is over. Now we know that if we want to make things great, the government and the business should work together. Mm. Great. I remember a quote by Vasil Terziev, who's also been on our podcast, and I would really recommend our viewers or listeners uh, to go back to this conversation. Uh, but he said that successful people, successful entrepreneurs' job is to make other people successful. It's not to go and get islands and Bugattis, etc., which is amazing. And uh, like last year, I went to this um, uh, event for teachers and directors in high schools in Bulgaria. And they were <clears throat> giving me this question, what unites all of your guests on your podcast, which are more than 300 successful, great, great example, uh, people that are leading by their personal great example. And I say, what unites them is this give back mentality. They are really willing to give back. It might be time, it might be other resources, might be connections, whatever. They're just willing to do it. They never say, what am I going to get out of this? Absolutely. So um, I, I would really like to support what, what you were just saying. And you um, know, there are three stages of work. First yeah. you get, you work to get paid, then you, you work for free and then you pay to work. So the, the final phrase is like you devote your time, you give money to someone and you just want to see it happening. This, this is like, I think um, we should have more people on the third stage. Um, you're also supporting the local ecosystem as a mentor. You already mentioned that you're mentoring in base, you're mentoring in, uh, in uh, Able Activator tool, etc. Um, why is this important to you personally? Because I believe that the only way successful people are successful is when they build successful people what you just mentioned about about this is this is a simple multi multiplication effect that it's 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 the only way mm. we are as as a country as an economy we are lagging far far behind even central european countries i can give you endless metrics in terms of let's say uh, venture capital per capita or number of unicorns or speed of unicorns but you know that doesn't really matter what it matters is, is that we need you know for for a change to happen you need to change yourself this is where the, the actual change happens if you change yourself and your mission is to help the others change around you then you're like a, you know you, you're like a virus but a positive one this is how you you, you multiplicate and replicate what is what is a good practice So this is the reason, you know, it's, it's way, it's way stronger and way, way beyond me and way, way bigger than, than I am not to do it. I remember an amazing uh, conversation uh, last year uh, in Power of BG, where Presian Karakostov, the founder of... Uh, uh, also in our board. Also on the board, <laughs> yeah. An amazing founder in Bulgaria said uh, that he met Vasil Terziev without knowing who he is. Uh, talking about Endeavor, Bulgaria. And uh, he was uh, one of these people that were like, I'm not messing in anyone else's businesses. I don't want to have anything to do with anyone. And this is how he got virused. And this the, the way he got um, um, this virus of helping others and spreading your knowledge and experience to others and making the whole society better. Uh, it's uh, it's it's an amazing conversation. And how do you think we can encourage this give back mindset? Because 
some entrepreneurs are like, my business is mine. I have my thing. It just gives me money. It allows me to do whatever I want. I don't want to do have anything to do with anyone else. I have a um, you know a personal cause of mine um, to actually engage more IT developers into actually helping um, into helping anything pretty much because I think that these guys are super sharp and super smart and they tend to stick into their own reality. Um, you know, people like me and you, they're you know there is a sort of a of a bubble that is growing and it's growing by number and by size and that's amazing but there is this you know people that are just on the verge of the bubble they're really not far far away from the bubble but they're not inside the bubble as well so my personal understanding is that i need to work with those people and in my understanding one of the toughest sort of region is the people that are into it the the, the developers themselves what they really don't know and i think this is a good good thing is that there are options. Really, there are guys that want to do something and they're like, I have no idea where, where I can you know, invest my time or even my money so I can help someone. So for people like you and me that are sort of more better placed and they know sort of the, the ecosystem, it's very important that we talk to these guys. Say, okay, this is opportunity one, this is opportunity two, this is, this is opportunity three. You can really you know, become a mentor here, you can share your knowledge here. They need to have, and I think this is this is something that we need to work on as a community, but an infrastructure like Time Heroes or something that really shows where you can be of use. The Bulgarian society in general is not very charitable. Actually, there was this um, statistics by Because Foundation, we're at the bottom, like rock bottom we in the EU. Like giving money to, to, to charities, like pff, we're, pff, we're just terrible. It's not only about money, it's about time and effort and knowledge as well. And we need to build up sort of the infrastructure and we need to talk to people that are on the verge, on the border. And once we get them in the bubble, then the bubble moves a step closer to the other people on the verge. And then we talk to them and talk to them. But it has to be a systematic way. And we need to think about infrastructure, how we can engage those people. And so I think this is, you know, my personal mantra is to engage more software developers into, into all that. Yeah. That's great because there are other people leading the same battle uh, in total, total, totally different uh, fields like uh, Lazar Radkov and Nikola Rachnev from Gorata BG and from Caps for Future that are basically getting volunteers to do amazing causes like mm. planting trees and recycling and uh, also to do it with their kids, which mm. teaches kids to be volunteering, Absolutely. which is going to move the needle in the statistics. Mm. And... Uh, is going to move the needle in creating open source platforms like PodKripibeg, etc., etc., etc. So it's a great that there are more than just you mm. and just Besco doing this. The whole ecosystem is raising. It's like a, oh, yeah. it's like a, a dusk in the morning. It's like mm. the, it's, the sunrise just it's starting to uh, get behind the, the horizon. Um, Besco's mission is to transform Bulgaria's economic model towards high-value-added businesses. Uh, and you have devoted the last years on trying to promote this vision. Um, where do you think you are now on this journey? It's funny, we had this conversation internally and we, we just, you know, we just became a factor, like really only yesterday, figuratively speaking. But up to this point, this was the moment, you know, where you were pushing the, the ball uphill. And now we're on the point where the ball is right on the peak 
and I can sense that you know the tipping point is is here and now it's going to be a snowball effect down, down the hill so I believe that the best is yet to come we really needed time to validate first our purpose of existence then our methodology because we developed our own internal methodology called the Red Bell, which is research, evaluate, discuss, build, create, and advocate. It's a five-step process that we work for every legislation that we do. So we validated that we have a system, we have backers, we have purpose, we have critical momentum with the, with the politicians. So really, it's a perfect storm now. So from this point onwards, in the next couple of years, I think it's, it's where we'll see the, you know, the, the snowball effect and um, you know, legislation happening much more quickly, uh, much more thoroughly, much better as well, because one of the problems in Bulgaria is that legislation is carried out in an absurd way. Like the level of policy creation uh, is, you know, it's, 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 it's bad. And BESCO is raising the level for the politicians themselves because, you know, we carry out reports of a few hundred pages before we make an assumption on what what to change. So everything that we do is based on data and facts, not about our, on, on our opinions. So we're raising the level in that aspect as well. And when you put all those factors, you know, and now it's, you know, momentum and speed. That's the point now. Do you have any takeaways that you would like to share on this policy-making experience? It's a very slow process. Um, it's so Patience is a very... Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. You... you I got to trick myself that it's, you know, I call it a slow sales process. I put the word sales inside, so it makes, it, it sounds like a business cycle, and it is actually a business cycle, but you have to understand that, you know, po politics is very, um, it's very human driven. It's very subjective. It is absolutely, uh, most of the times it's not, it's not a pragmatic objective, clear black and yellow, black and white aspect of, of, you know, of the coin. The coin could be this way or it could be the other way. Or it could be just standing like this. And, you know, it, flexibility is another thing that you need to have, like personal flexibility and, you know, being able to understand uh, uh, emotional intelligence and, and reading situation and reading between the lines. And lastly, it's like multiple stakeholder management. Everything that you talk to one guy cannot be the same we're talking to the other guy and we're usually talking to you know tens if not hundreds of people so multiple stakeholder management is a process it should be taken as a process not as a uh, it's not a good feeling it's not intuition it's a systematic approach towards multiple stakeholder management um, and these are the you know the, the essential of about the advocacy process and i think they're very relevant to business as well one of the things that i see going to politics and policies on the just watching from the sidelines is that not a lot of people are entrepreneurs that are trying to ch change the legislation you guys are so um how did this entrepreneurial thinking and experience help you move the needle in such a conservative and slow moving process that you already described um that's regula regulation and lawmaking and legislation in general. Um, yeah, again, no one was willing to do it. And, and in our vision, we understood that this is the absolute must for the ecosystem to move upwards. There is no real, they, would, they could, there could be no real change uh, 
in any ecosystem unless it's aligned with a strategic vision of the those in power. Um, we think that you know the birth of Besco and the success of Besco are actually the end of the transition period that we claim to have the post-communist transition period. We think that because there was this environment for Besco to appear and to evolve, if you like a more Darwinian approach, is the going down of a post-communist transition period. And I think we're at the very, very end of the, of the transition period. And now, for the first time, I think we are facing true uh, liberal market and true democracy with all you know, the, the drawbacks that we live in the reality that we have. But I think that this is a very clear statement of, of the phase that Bulgaria is actually going to. This is basically your entrepreneurial uh, hunch and the thing that you've gone through, like following the whole process, you realize that it's, it's a proper time. It's like proper yes, time. Absolutely. Timing is crucial. And uh, if, if we did not hit the right timing spot, we would have not survived. So I think this is mm, awesome. Issue. You already mentioned some amazing progress that you did on the... Um, startup visa, mm. the blue cards, the Beamstock Exchange growth market, which I'm part of as an investor, which is great. I've never thought about having the opportunity to invest into hopefully unicorn Bulgarian companies. Uh, but I actually have some very interesting stock that I've bought because of this Beam market. Um, would you highlight how the changes that you did are going to contribute to the ecosystem's growth? and take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned, you know, the midterms and short-term solutions for the lack of human capital. And in this knowledge-intensive industry, it, human capital is by far the most important thing. You know, money is a, is a resource that you can source locally or you can source, you know, from abroad. Yep, maybe it's, diff it's more difficult than in other countries, but if you have something good, you know, money is not a problem, usually. What is the problem is that if you have some great idea and, you know, you need doers and you need people with your values and, you know, the, the, the right knowledge and the right background and, you know, the, the right ambition, the right families, if you wish, that stuff, you know, having the collecting the right people is tough. And if I can do it and if you can do it, there is no guarantee that people would be left for the third guy. And we need to make sure as an ecosystem that there are people for the third guy and the fourth guy and the 400 guys. So everyone with a good idea should be able to recruit great talent so that he can actually make this idea a world-class idea. You need world-class talent to make world-class ideas. And that's why Bulgaria should be the hatchery of this talent pool. This is why we need, you know, on the long run, a sustained education system. But on the short run, you know, we're an amazing country. Why not, you know, advertise ourselves and get those guys from, you know, all over the world coming here and doing their things, which is the startup visa. Precisely, if you have a great product, Bulgaria is very, very welcoming and Bulgaria offers you this, you know, access to low taxation, access to VCs, a great network, great support uh, ecosystem that will help you along your journey. Why not here? 
why 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 go to the US or why go to you know the UK? Bulgaria could be this place, the blue card, you know. So once you get here, you start your idea, then your source, you know, highs uh, qualified uh, personnel outside the EU easily and quickly. Because let's face it now, the, the, the talent pool in Bulgaria, specifically in the IT industry, there is a shortage of 60 to 70,000 people. So we can't really develop high-tech businesses if we don't have the high-tech people, right? So these are very, very significant steps that, you know, if you have the right people, everything else is doable. Simple as that. That's great. Uh, and to be awesome to, to make it happen. And I cannot leave out of the conversation a great movie a short movie that you did the way of the unicorn uh, regarding our first unicorn uh, which would be christo borisov's uh, uh, payhawk an amazing company that um, made it to the uh, i don't know promised land because i i didn't know that if, if we are ever going to have such a company mm. and besco um, had this amazing uh uh, idea to get one of the most recognizable Bulgarians in the video of Payhawk, which is Dimitar Barbatov that played from Manu. Uh, so tell me more about how did this first Bulgarian unicorn um, support Besko's cause, make it more transparable, or make it uh, to for more people um, well, spread the idea to more people. We have a thing in Besco called the bubble breaking. Um, and that's why we hired um, uh, Spas Kiosev. He used to be an anchorman at Bulgarian National Television for 17 years. And we needed someone that is not from our ecosystem to, to be able to look from you know the side and, and, and tell us, this is all great that you do, but you know for the common people, for the regular people, you know, it's you, you talk to a different language. So we actually, he, he describes himself as a translator. And, you know, Payhawk is like a, a very large, bright flag that people are waving. But for the normal people, there is there are letters on the flag which are in Chinese. No one, well, Chinese, I mean that no one really understands what those letters are. So we need the flag. We need to be waving the flag but we need systems and, and translators to tell to everyone what those letters on the flag are. And this is what, you know, we're trying to, you know, pump up the success of, of Payhawk and, and, you know, first of all, provide the fact that you can be successful in Bulgaria. Anyone can be successful in Bulgaria. If you're hardworking, you have a good idea, you have a great team, you can be the next Payhawk. You can be the next Christo Borisov. We're trying to show Christo not as a, you know, uh, untouchable uh, billionaire that is, you know, driving his Maseratis somewhere in whatever the fancy place he's doing it, but as a regular guy that lives a normal life and has a, the right value set, supports his employees, and actually building a billion-dollar company. This is the whole notion, and, you know, the, this is the new type of rich people that are actually, you know, rich just by by statistics, but they don't act like rich people. Like they they act like like everyday no, normal human beings. They do the right things every single day, and this is the purpose of you know mixing um, the success of Payhawk and Berbatov's presence, so that we can you know use these cameo figures to break the bubble and to to put someone 
well known for his success to someone not known for his success, but also very successful. And this was the whole idea. It's great, great execution. Uh, it was really touching. And uh, thank you for doing this and thank you for giving this transparency because there are people just uh, watching the news, watching the media and have no idea who these people are. Absolutely. And what they do, what they do for the Absolutely. economy, which means for the entire country. Besko's contribution to Bulgarian society has gone beyond improving the environment for doing business. Last year, when the war in Ukraine broke out, um, you and your team devoted a lot of effort helping Ukrainian refugees to reach Bulgaria. Can you reflect on the meaning and the impact and whole experience and the response of the whole community back then? Yeah, that's a great question because when when the, the situation in Ukraine broke out and we got a call at 7 a.m. literally from the Minister of Innovation there, things happened so quickly, man. I mean, it was like, we need to do this, guys, you need to help us with this. We're understaffed, we need to bring... First, the idea was, you know, bring um, employees of... Ukrainian employees of Bulgarian companies to bring them in Bulgaria quickly. This was the initial plan. And, um, you know, it's, it was like two weeks non-stop organizing buses, planes, like coordinating Excel files, creating Viber groups and, you know, doing that. Um, we got super sucked in. I, I remember the first week I had no sleep. Like I couldn't, maybe I had like five, six, ten hours of sleep for a whole week because we were literally um, organizing and coordinating so many people. And once, you know, the the whole the initial situation sort of cleared and got more tranquil and calm. It happened that first we took a lot of people that were not IT and not employees of Ukrainian companies, but just people in need. And there were... Bulgarian you know, companies. Uh, yeah, Bulgarian companies, sorry. And there were people in need and there were empty spaces on the bus. So yeah, just... Hop on. Hop on. Yeah, but just save, save yourself from the madness. But then once the, 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 you know, we slowed down the pace... I realized that parallel to our efforts, there were so many people doing the same. There were like so many organizations appearing. There were so many volunteers. There were like people raising funds, people actually, you know, responsible for welcoming these uh, these refugees. And the government was slow and I don't blame them. Governments are slow by definition, but you know, the civil, the civil sector, the civil society was super, super quick. And this really, this is a, an astonishing, an amazing thing to, 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 to be actually, to understand that you live in a support system. You live in a system where, you know, not much has been happening and then there is a big problem and then everyone acts upon this problem. So this, this self-realization for me is, is, I think, something that we should always um, remember and, you know, We have this bad saying that we're not united in Bulgaria and that we keep dividing ourselves. I don't agree. And this was a very good example. When we're, fa when we're faced with a severe problem, you know, the mobilization is great. And we're divided because most likely we're not facing severe problems. Not that we're divided by definition. So it was a very, you know, fulfilling sense that I live in a great community. And I'm not talking about my immediate environment. Yeah. Great. Yeah, there is a saying that you need to judge people by how they act in situations, not by their words. So yeah. thank you for doing this. And uh, how do you think we can spread the mindset, this culture of empathy, 
on a broader level? Yeah, this is um, you know a million dollar question. Actually, this is this is the tough part. You know, we have some success here, even you know Peho first unicorn. But you know, it's not, it shouldn't be about the first unicorn. It shouldn't be about the you know the efforts of Besco. It shouldn't be about the efforts of Abel. It should be how do we multiply and leverage these organizations? How do we make uh, you know, a unicorn every second or third month. How do we create more best calls? How do we scale the work of Fable? This is, you know, um, again, the viral effect. How do you create a virus that really affects other people to do the things that, you know, are right? Because deep down, everyone knows what's right and what's not right. So how do we, you know, leverage everything that we've achieved so far? And again, to make it at scale, I think that, you know, uh, working with the government is essential. And this is why I believe in BESCO's mission uh, so deeply, because it is the government that can really scale the process. I mean, the the civic sector, the businesses, they, they show the right way. If you want to make it, you know, uh, a massive presence, then you need people at scale to act at scale. And that's why, you know, BESCO is pushing for the agenda of the whole ecosystem. You're also cooperating with other like-minded organizations from the whole Southeastern Europe region. Uh, do you see the potential for a wider, wider cooperation on policy level regarding digital innovations, technological research, or anything here on the borders? <coughs> yes. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> it's worth mentioning that I'm part of the board of the European Startup Network, and um, we're also part of the board that Allied for Startups, which are big you know, organizations like BESCO, but on a, nas- on a European and worldwide level. I think that the region, specifically uh, the southeastern region, the Balkan region in general, um, needs a, a, a much larger uh, dose of unification. And I think that historically it's been a problematic area with a lot of um, a lot of tension between the countries. And now this division of the east and west puts greater barriers between the countries. They're absolutely intentional. They serve geopolitical purposes but I think that what is really the thing that cannot be very well uh, tamed and shaped is technology technology knows no barriers technology knows no frontiers so really technology could be the factor that can unify like-minded people from the region and I think there is a you know an absolute uh, field for opportunity and we, we started working in that direction but you know timing is very crucial and resources are very crucial but we started working with Startup Macedonia on um, you know setting up the uh, the fundaments and the foundations of a Balkan Startup Association just because you know the Macedonians are now walking in our shoes when they started their organization it was a community driven organization events you know pitching sessions etc now they're looking into advocacy and, and policy creation. And, you know, we are now a couple of years doing that. And they, they came to us and said, how do you guys do that? And we're like, well, let, let us, we'll share our experience. And then the Albanians came and said, okay, so you're working with the Macedonian guys. Uh, we we, we want to do the same. So how do we do the same? And then we said, okay, man, there's the, the, you know, North Macedonians, the Albanians, there's us. You know, we all share the same problems. And more or less, really, they're the same problems. They're lack of people, lack of money, and systems that are not easy to operate. So, you know, ease of doing business is non-existent. So the three goals that BESCO has, 
they are absolutely replicable in, in North Macedonia and they're absolutely replicable in, in Albania. And if I go to Croatia, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same story. And if I go to Serbia, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same story, more or less, right? So in that essence, is there a field for a collaboration? Most definitely. Is the timing now? <clears throat> Maybe. But, you know, we need... to. This has to be a strategic thinking. It should not be impulsive. Basco was a bit of impulsive decision, which happened to be great. But when you're talking about the region, then you need direct, you know, dedicated effort so we can actually make it work. So my f- final question for today is how can we build a stronger technological brand for the whole region? And you're saying that it's actually by sharing what we know. So <clears throat> giving back and paying forward. So helping others get where we are and get help from others that are already ahead of us. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we face the same problems. We, on a purely human level and on a purely historical level, we were, you know, in the same pot for many, many years. And, you know, the division that is trying to be forced upon us is really artificial. We have so much more commonalities and so much more common battles then we have divisions and separations and it really comes natural to people that have the right mindset so if we manage to multiply the mindset and the values in every country what we're doing here is an ecosystem what the creation ecosystem is doing as well because i know the guys they're amazing the serbian guys are doing the same then you know joining these parties together is only a logical next step It's not a super that you know decisive uh, force that should be placed, but it's only a logical step that should you know just be uh, aligned and you know uh, set up with proper governance and proper structure so it actually works. Nedervenkov, thank you very much for sharing your time, your thoughts. Thank you all for your efforts with the whole team of Besco and making it possible not only for the Bulgarian ecosystem but also for the countries in the region that are reaching for, reaching for help and uh, asking to be helped uh, by your knowledge and your connections and the resources. It has been a great pleasure talking to you and I wish you lots of success in the future. Thank you. It was an honor for me as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with the Recursive Podcast this week too. Can't wait to have you back next week. Next on the Recursive Podcast, we meet with Atanas Raikov, Vice President of Growth at Rakuten Viber. The moment you are you are into generating value, and especially mm. I would say that the, the, the most successful people, they are already in the state of mind uh, mm. of giving back. Mm. So sometimes it's it's much more easy, it's much easier mm. to, to to reach out to them through this uh, angle and through yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I totally agree here. passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive Podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.